You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And today I have a LinkedIn legend with me today. I have John Tesser. He is the VP Research Insights and Analytics at the NYC and Company. He is the career whisperer for young professionals. And he's just a genuine great guy. And as you see, when we're going to have this conversation, you're going to see what I mean by that. And if you're not following him on LinkedIn, you're missing out on some amazing content. So John, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, my friend? Oh, that was just too kind an introduction, Daniel. Daniel, what do I say? Daniel, Dan? We should have established that before we started. No problem. (laughs) Daniel works. Daniel! All right. I'm doing great today, Daniel, and we can always edit that out, I'm guessing. Um, No, I'm good. Um, I'm excited to chat. Um, And again, thanks for for the, the kind introduction. No, I, I, it's funny because I've been following you on LinkedIn for about six months now, but how we got this podcast connected was actually Instagram. <laughs> right? It's really funny. I don't know how that worked. Yeah, I, um, I've gotten more comfortable over time um, adding some people that I've met on LinkedIn to Instagram. Typically, I'm really careful about it because I don't want to sketch people out. Um, as, as Daniel said, I, as you said, I, um, I work with young professionals and I want to, I don't want to like make them feel weird that I'm following them on their personal accounts. So, but here we are, it brought us here. <clears throat> no, which is fantastic. So uh, before we dive into the questions I, I, and just having a discussion that I'm ready to have about, and, and here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about career, the, the, uh, the, your career whispering, um, kind of what you do when you talk to someone that is really lost yeah, on yeah, what yeah. they want to do. Um, yep. I, I love your philosophy on mentorship, and I, I think we have a lot in common in what we both think about what proper mentorship should be. So we definitely want to dive into mentorship. And I yeah, want yeah. to talk about to. authenticity, like uh, being authentic and not trying to fit mm-hmm. in as much as you should just be yourself. So uh, we have a lot to cover mm-hmm. in a 30 minute podcast. So before we get dive 30 into minutes. This, oh, man. 30 minutes, it's going to be minutes. cliff notes. <laughs> cliff notes. That's why they really want to learn more. They got to the follow notes. you now, right? Okay. All right. Let's get into it. We got, so, we got, we got, a, we got a lot to cover in 30 minutes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for the audience that might not have ran across your LinkedIn content just yet? Sure. So um, really what I'm here is to sort of tell the truth, the unvarnished truth and nothing but the truth about what it's like to job search as a young professional and what it's like to actually have a job. Um, So that runs the gamut of offering tips on, you know, how to job search and also like, what does it feel like to actually work? Um, I don't mince words. I think that's why people like to follow me. Um, a lot of people on LinkedIn like to create really rosy pictures of what it's like to work and to job search. And I'm just here telling you what I see. Um, and some people like it, some people don't, um, but everybody knows that it's coming from a place of authenticity and it's very me. Um, one of the other things that I preach, and if you come and you looked at my LinkedIn, is that a job is a job. 
Uh, a job is not something that defines you. A job is not your identity. Um, a job can be fulfilling, but it doesn't necessarily have to be everything that you are. And this message is not preached enough on LinkedIn, which is obviously a job searching site. Um, so I get a lot of pushback from that as well. But it's a key part of my message is that a job is part of a life well lead. led. <clears throat> and so you have a lot of like key points that you come across, like themes that come across your, your, your LinkedIn content. Um, That's right. <clears throat> what do you think, like if, if you can go back and talk to your younger self back when you were back in college, um, just mm -hmm. doing your bachelor's and you're a junior, mm -hmm. maybe feeling lost, like what are some three things, piece of advice that you, you would want to tell your younger self? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I think one of the things um, that I preach, and, and we'll talk about it since you said, what is the career whispering process about, is to take ownership and stock of who you are and what you've done. And to really examine that on your own and by yourself and, and talking it through others, right? So who you are and what, what you are, um, you know, I like to say, and I'm not necessarily, sorry, Daniel, I'm not necessarily going to answer this as three. I think That's the fine. key here is really this one point, which is this idea. And some I get asked this question a lot. How do you find yourself when you're lost? And, and the one piece of advice I offer is think of those things I call flow moments. Do you know what a flow moment is? Yep. Yeah, actually, just it's so funny that movie Soul, man. It's just like it was like made for me. I just wrote a post about it. But the movie Soul just came out, and they talk about flow moments. And what happens in a flow moment is you are so enraptured in what you're doing, and you're so caught up in it. It's called in the flow, right? We know that from sports. But if you think back to your flow moments, that's actually a great guidepost for where are you going to go. Right. What are you going to do? Because you're so caught up in that. You're so obsessed with it. You're so in love with what you're doing that you lose track of time and space. And when you can you can go and you can pay attention to that, it's actually a great guidepost for where you need to go next. I, I think th that to me was very challenging when I first heard of that concept. It's like what when I thought about it, I think I was reading a book on it is how do I how do I craft more of those moments right because like we do our best work when we're on flow and i try to cu curate those moments and I, I don't know that i can do that right I, I... oh okay we're gonna get deep here for a second you can't curate flow moments they have to just happen um and so it's the things that you do without trying right so when you try and craft things or you try and do things that's never going to lead to a flow moment because there's effort there. A flow moment has to happen naturally. It has to happen at just because you were led in that direction some way and somehow. When it, it's very, it's very much like it's a lot like golfing, right? It, for anybody who's golfed, or you know, the the second you try and hit the ball really hard is when you don't hit the ball really hard. But when you relax, you let the movements, you let things happen, you you know, you you let your body own it that's when you have the ball and you hit the ball the hardest, right? It's very similar with flow moments. Do you not think that, how can like, I feel like the elite athletes can do it, right? Like, like Tom Brady, fourth quarter, two minutes, two minutes left on the clock, down by two touchdowns. He gets into this rhythm. You can't stop him. He comes back and win it. LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Yeah. You, is that not flow? Is that a different thing then? I, I don't agree with that. That's not flow. That's performance under pressure. Let me give you an example of flow so that, that this will make more sense, right? Um, I'm, I got a thousand piece puzzle and 
I'm in the flow with the puzzle. I'm losing track of time. I'm paying attention to the puzzle. And what I'm doing is I'm actually organizing things into smaller pieces. So this is a thousand pieces, right? You have to organize. And part of the flow moment for me is, okay, I got to take this piece, put it in here, organize this in certain ways. There's different colors, blah, 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 blah. That may not seem like a flow moment to you, but it's actually very important for my career because what do I do as a VP of insights and research? Well, the same thing. I take massive amounts of data, I put it into smaller pieces, I organize it, and then I try and form meaning out of it. And finishing the puzzle, that's the meaning at the end, right? For, for the analysis that I do as VP of research, the meaning at the end is a story about all of those different pieces that go into that puzzle, right? So you see how I'm connecting something that doesn't seem relevant, which is doing a crossword, uh, doing a jigsaw puzzle, right? Thousand pieces. And I'm actually saying, well, that's very relevant for how I do my career because there's a flow to it. I'm lost in time and space because I'm so caught up in the organizing. That's not under pressure. That's just me doing it. But could that be different for other people, right? Because for absolutely, me, it is right, different like, for everyone. Yeah. And, and I think that's super interesting because I've always believed that flow is something that you can create if you put yourself in the right atmosphere. Right. Like if you put yourself in the right situation, like if, if your example created like a, just like a puzzle, thousand piece puzzle, you know that every time you do puzzles, you lose track of time. And so what you do is that every Thursday afternoon you get off work and you know that from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Like you're not going to do anything else but this puzzle. You, you leave mm -hmm. your phone in the other room. You, your kids mm -hmm. are uh, somewhere else with your wife and you're by mm -hmm. yourself. And every Thursday you get into flow. So is that not creative? That's because right. You've, curated your atmosphere yeah i mean you have to set the you have to set the right circumstances to get into flow absolutely right you have to make sure that and i think that this is a key point that you brought up right it is key to have the right environment for it if i have my kids running around and the tv's blaring and you know the puzzle pieces are flying everywhere i can't get into the moment where I, i'm yeah i'm getting it so to that point yes i agree with what you're saying about needing the right environment. But I think the key here and getting back, I don't wanna to get too off track with the meaning of flow. I just wanted to give an example of what it is. The key for young professionals and college students and anybody early in their career is to think why you're in the flow. You heard how I explained very clearly why the puzzle making brought me into flow, right? And then I brought it into my career. Those are the kinds of activities that young professionals need to do more of Right. And, and again, you talk about themes that I talk about on LinkedIn. Right. One of the themes I talk about is and I'm very upfront about it. Stop getting the certificates. Stop thinking that more schooling is necessarily going to lead to something better and start taking ownership of the things that come from within, deep within that you're passionate about, that you love, that is you and, and own that and do that self-awareness process. And what I'm saying doesn't seem very radical to me, but it's not something that students or young professionals do on their own. So, you know, this is, this is really like, if you, you should be spending 50% of your time really taking ownership of you and who you are when you're job searching or you're looking for a career, you're looking to not get lost and, and a lot less time actually doing, right? There's this self-reflection that needs to happen. Yeah. And that is something that we like, I can, I agree with you 1000% because the, that the biggest challenge that I see college students face is just the lack of clarity and really lack of what 
finding the career that they can their their natural fit for like one where their natural abilities mm-hmm. plays to their advantages and I feel like it comes down to where they select their major right or maybe even earlier on and I still can't figure out when is the perfect time and I guess that that really depends on the individual on when where they should be focusing because the fact that if you're if you're graduating this semester or you graduated this like a couple of weeks ago, the fact that you're thinking about that now, I think that that, that was a mistake. I think the mistake should have been, you should have been thinking about that mm-hmm. maybe two, three years ago, but like anything else, like we plant a tree, the best time was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So it, it's obviously better now to focus on mm-hmm. that now than, than, than not focusing on it. And, and I think you're right. I think um, mm-hmm. that's a big issue. I see is the shock. I call it the shotgun approach of job searching, which is all right. I graduated with a marketing degree. So I am going to apply to every single marketing job where I meet the minimum qualifications for it and just submit my resume everywhere, right? Because the internet has just made it so easy for us to apply everywhere. But the reality is that not every single one of those million jobs that are available for marketing students across the nation are the right fit for me. And I think that to your point, you're right. Like having that clarity and saying, okay, within marketing, where do I fit in the most? Right. Um, And so what like so well, what right. else can students do like let's talk a little bit more about what you do like as a career whisper as the questions that you're asking so yeah so that's so so that leads perfectly into what i do with young professionals and i, I work with people who are stuck and don't know where to go and don't know what to do and, and i get actually very excited when they tell me this because it means that they're actually willing to work with me and my unorthodox approach to career coaching, right? I think most career coaches who are out there are going to fix your resume or, you know, tell you about the careers you should choose, this and that. People come to me because they're like, John, I'm stuck, right? And it's almost like career doctor, right? For young professionals, I I diagnose and then we work together on what it is. But let me explain to you what the process is because it leads really well out of this idea that we were just talking about with flow. Um, so yes, most of the people who come to me have made many mistakes in terms of the choices that they've made because they didn't do this self-awareness process. And what I do is I lead people through the process and I'll talk about it you know, briefly here. Um, I start with um, an examination of how people describe you, right? So we get into the personal of who you are, right? And from there, we really learn about personal characteristics that are inherent to you or how the world sees you. And again, it's not that interesting to me about the what, right? I don't care if somebody calls you, you know, I don't know, adorable, or somebody calls you shy, or if somebody calls you smart. What I care about and what I dig in with clients is why? Why do you think they said that about you? Can you tell me stories about why you're smart, right? And so we go through this process to examine these words and why they're explained to someone as they are, right? Then we move on to like hobbies. So again, not interesting to me that you played soccer. What's interesting to me was what your role in soccer was. Did you play soccer because you're super competitive and you wanted to win? Did you play soccer because you enjoyed getting better at something that you enjoyed mastering the art of kicking the ball? Did you play soccer because, you know, you watched soccer on TV with your dad growing up and, and you felt an affinity for it? These are all clues to who you are in ways that 
surprisingly tie very closely to career. And then we move on to academic interests. And that's always very interesting because some people say, well, I don't like academics. And that in and of itself is actually a very interesting area to explore. Why not, right? And throughout of the, all of this, it's just this constant questioning of why. It's this constant analysis of what does this mean about you? And then you're, you know, maybe you'll be surprised by this or listeners will, but the, the final part of this process <clears throat> is going through jobs and, 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 you know, careers that you've had in internships. And I typically get very little out of that because the jobs and internships that people have chosen actually don't align very well with the person that has been described to me throughout this other part of this process, right? So we actually have to start again and say, okay, well, I really think you should be going in this direction. And we have all these clues and we have these things, you know, that, that say this, um, you know, as opposed to, well, okay, so you've done this and then it makes natural sense for you to go here. I actually don't care. And I say that very clearly. I'm like, okay, so you haven't done it, but this is a direction that I think makes the most sense for you. The crazy thing, Daniel, is that this process works 100% of the time. It sounds really sort of abstract, but going through it and working through it with me as your guide, people really do have complete clarity as to where they're gonna go, but they've never done it themselves. Are they then afraid to then go after that? Because it's like their whole life, No, you know, you know what I mean? No. Like their whole life have been viewing it this way and then you help them get clarity out of it. And then it's like, wow, like what do I, like, this is so scary it's, to say. It's the exact, it's the exact opposite. I give them the confidence, right? So there's a confidence part of this. I give them the confidence and the belief that who they are is going to lead to career success or whatever kind of success that they look at, right? And so they realize inherently that they have worth and value as who they are. And then they're excited to go and explore this next step. I don't get much pushback, right? Because they realize, oh my God, I learned about me. And I learned that me, is meant to do this. And so I want to do this. I'm excited about going in this direction. I don't get too much, well, what if and whatever. No, because <laughs> people start to see, oh, okay, that's me. Well, I'm not scared of me. I can go and I can do this. And, and then from there, they start being authentically themselves, right? That's correct. And how does that then changes the way that they approach the job search process? Well, things get a little bit more complicated there, right? Because, you know, and I think this is an important part. This is why I, I typically focus on the, okay, well, where should you go? And not as much on the tactics stuff. I think this is, you know, then I kind of hand it off to the, the other sort of, you know, career coaches out there. But it gets complicated to match yourself and who you are to your resume and to your cover letter and to your LinkedIn and all that. It's possible to do, but it's hard work. Um, the reason it's hard is because once you start putting these public facing things out there, right, things like, you know, resume, you're, you're having to deal with other people that are not you. And people are going to, there's certain ways that recruiters will see something or a hiring manager will see something or HR or whoever it is that's involved with the hiring managing process, the hiring process, you know, <laughs> then you have to match up this who you are to what people want out of you. And that's tough. I do work on it with clients, but it's not easy to do once you've figured out the direction you want to go. Yeah. And, and I think that's 
for me, that's where I think students need to, once they, clarity is definitely the most important thing in this whole like thing. I, when I tell students about this, it's like, I think that one, it's something that they need to do, but a lot of times don't, don't want to do, or they're like, Hey, why should I slow down? But like, here's the thing I tell students all the time. Like, would you rather go hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction or go 10 miles an hour in the right direction? And a lot of times I see mm -hmm. students that are just busy with this internship, being in this student organization, mm -hmm. double majoring, getting this minor, all this without even having clarity and saying, so what is all that for? If you don't even know that's gonna, how that's going to help you in the long term of your goals. Right. Um, and I that's think right. that to me is, is, is where I struggle with students helping them see the clarity is actually where you start. And it's actually, there's no reason of you getting another certification to your point into, you know, how that certification plays in your long-term goals. They have to want to do it, Daniel. And it's why I don't sell very hard, right? They have to feel enough pain. It's almost like they have to hit rock bottom, yeah. right? You use that term. They have to feel enough pain in their lives where they've been running a hundred mile direction, you know, hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. Like you said, they have to feel that they have to feel within themselves that it's not the right thing to do. You, you and I can't force them to feel that, right? Because we're just like the older guys who are like, oh, well, you're not doing this right. One of the major lessons I've learned doing this over the last couple of years is that if they don't want to go through this process and they're not ready for it, can't force them, right? And it's why I'm in link, on LinkedIn preaching what I consider to be fairly radical, which is take stock of yourself and who you are as a person instead of running for the thing that everybody says you want. No one's really, if, if you're ready to listen to that message, you're open to it. If you're not, okay, great. But I know that at the, at the age of 24, 25, 26, you're going to be coming to me. Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to say, John, I felt enough pain not being myself and being dissatisfied. I got to figure out what's next. Right? Yeah, you know, someone has shared with me this quote. It's definitely not my quote, but we spent all of our lives to try to fit in, right? Like all from since we joined school, like we always trying to fit in with our friends, but you don't find success until you learn to stand out and to truly be yourself. And, and, and really standing out is just being genuinely you uh, because everybody else is taking. And I think that's the hard part. And I think when you become, I, 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 I preach this to my, my students all the time. It's like, you need to become you and be authentically you on LinkedIn because that's going to attract and also unattract companies that like, those companies, you shouldn't even work there anyways. Like if they're upset because you posted this, then that wasn't the right company for you anyway. So when the more that you are yourself on LinkedIn, the more you're going to actually attract the managers, the companies and the type of jobs that are actually going to be more suited for you. Yeah, I, I agree to some extent. I think that, you know, <clears throat> being authentically you and, you know, this is this is almost another Higher podcast, so I don't want to get too too much into it, Daniel. But um, being authentically you, um, you have to understand that what you're putting out there is a personal brand, and you have to figure out what parts of your personal brand you want people to see. Um, that authentic you, you know, yes, I agree. You're going to attract and you know, unattract who you want. But you have to be very deliberate about how you present that. Um, and, you know, that can be hard as well because we're getting into concepts of personal branding that take years to understand. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, we can talk all about this idea of personal branding, but it's, it's tough. It, it's not, you know, being authentically you has to start from within 
and then you take baby steps to present that authentically online, if that makes sense. Hey, you made it to the middle of the episode. Let's take a break to tune in to how one of the mentees used insight from Daniel and the Master in Kasha Career Academy to help them take steps towards their dream job or internship. Hi everyone, it's Tiffany and I just got a new position as a packaging graphic designer for a home decor company in New York City. Believe it or not, I was able to get this job in the midst of a pandemic and it's all thanks to Daniel and the Master in College to Career Academy program. I've learned everything from staying connected with industry professionals, rebranding my LinkedIn, and even interview prep through with this academy. So definitely go sign up. You don't have to go through your job search alone. And there is a network of other students looking for their dream job and industry experts waiting for you. This student's testimony is just one of thousands who have landed a position in their dream career. So if you're interested in joining the Academy alongside these successful mentees, schedule a strategy call with Daniel today at www.masteringcollegetogareer.com forward slash strategy call. And now let's get back to the episode. Can you elaborate more? If we need to dive into this more, and I want to, because I think this is important. Like, I think you, I think everybody is a million dollar brand, right? Like if you get out of college yeah. and you make $50,000 for 20 years, you made a million dollars, you're a million dollar brand and you should run yourself like a, like a million dollar brand, you know, and you've been working with brands. You've been working in marketing for a long time. Like let's dive into a little bit more because I, my advice has always been just be you. Yeah. Let's not, let's not bring politics. Let's not bring religion into LinkedIn, but if you, you should definitely express yourself and, and be if you're a funny person add, add don't don't hide that humor yes in okay. the interview right yeah. like I, I don't want you to like hide your personality in your linkedin or your interview because yeah. if you fake yourself in the interview that's what they're expecting you when you come in on your first day right and so if yeah. you got your if you got the job not being yourself you're going to feel very awkward when you do go to work. But if you're yourself through the whole process and I don't mean rude and cursing and all that, you know, I definitely yeah. like there's a, a right time and place for that. Um, but what I mean is let your personality shine through. Yeah, I agree. And I think the concept that you're getting at necessarily is an authenticity. Um, I think it's vulnerability. I think it's, and vulnerability is an, is an overused term, but I'm going to be very specific about what vulnerability means. Vulnerability means you're unafraid that someone is going to judge you for you being you, right? Literally, it's, it's saying, here I am, I'm going to open up. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. And there's a, there's a chance you're going to reject that. And, you know, when you open yourself up to being you in front of others, there's always a chance that you're opening yourself up for judgment, right? And I think vulnerability means that you, you do it honestly, like you said, you don't smile through the interview because that's, you're looking for approval. You're looking for someone to say, you're a good person. Vulnerability saying, you know what? I don't feel like smiling right now. That's not who I am. I'm not a smiley person. I'm just gonna sit and I'm gonna listen right? That's actually being vulnerable. That's being true to yourself because in that situation, you're acting like you're like, this is what I, how I want to be. And, you know, there's a certain acceptance factor there. Um, so I think this idea of vulnerability and you talk about what it means for my brand, I'm out there putting myself out there every day on LinkedIn, you know, saying the craziest crap about myself. And I don't give two shits. Sorry, I cursed. 
I don't know if this is a clean podcast. Um, I, I don't care that much about people saying, well, you're bad and you're this and you're that. Cause I'm like, well, it's just me. I mean, you're, you're coming at me for me being me. I, I can't help that. That's you. That's you having problems and judging me for being me, but I can put myself out there cause I'm comfortable being me. And if you don't like it, cool. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for myself. And so, yeah, working into that, that level of vulnerability, I'm not saying to be as extreme as me, right? Cause I've got you know, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people reading my posts and, you know, people say mean things, but, you know, putting yourself out there and facing and risking rejection for being yourself, that's very important for young people to learn at a young age to start working towards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about like, oh, we're not about, let's start. Let, I want to talk about transition this conversation about mentorship, because I read a blog article that you, that you posted about, um, what mentorship is at the office, or even when we have alumni go and mentor um, students yeah. at their university and how it's just like having two or three conversations and that's about it. But um, yeah. I, I actually see mentorship, I have the same belief in you, as mentorship should be a, lo- a lifelong f- friendship. It should be um, right. mutual beneficial. And, I, and I'm a big that's believer right. that no relationship is long-term unless it's mutual beneficial. Even when you think about the relationship between a mother and a son or a father and a son yeah um there's mm-hmm. there there's a long term you know and so i want to talk about mentorship yes. and um and your thoughts of mentorship and we could discuss a little sure. bit further sure and i love this and thank you you actually did a really great job daniel of summarizing what mentorship means to me and why my form of mentorship actually isn't for most people um, and I learned that the hard way in 2020, I, I started to offer mentorship or had mentorship relationships with a lot of young folks. And they said, no, 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 John, this isn't for me. I can't go in this direction. And I'll explain to you why. Um, mentorship for me means a lot of the themes that we were talking about in terms of self-awareness, self-discovery and vulnerability are inherent in what I do with mentorship. So I'm asking you to be vulnerable with me, to share thoughts with me, to open up to me in efforts to learn about yourself and grow as a person. That's the key nature of the mentorship that I do. One of the things that I say to my mentees all the time, and I choose my mentees because at a very young age, a lot of the mentees that I work with have extremely high emotional intelligence and empathic feelings. I call them super empaths, right? They feel people. And that's a necessity to be a mentee of mine because I'm working on very deep personal development things. So you can understand why people are like, no, you know what, John, I did this for two or three sessions with you and I'm done. Um, They don't want to go there. They're not interested in that. They think they are. And then they're like, you know what, this is too much work. Um, So the mentees that I choose, right, they have these abilities and they have to go there. They have to be willing to talk about themselves and how they're growing and the things they're feeling and learning to express that. Um, As I said, one of the things I say to them is take the mask off. One of the things that I have, and I think you're probably very good at this too, Daniel, is very good at telling when someone is not being authentic or they're hiding something. And then I actually, for my mentee, for most people, I just kind of smile and nod and I'm like, okay, I don't have to have much to do with you because you're not being authentic in yourself. You got these things you need to work out. That's fine. You, you can move on. With my mentees, I turn to them and I say, take the mask off. You're, you have the mask on right now. You're hiding something from me. I don't want you to hide something from me. You got to share the real thing. <laughs> You can imagine the response, right? This is intense. This is an intense emotional exchange. 
why do I do this? Um, I think is one of the questions people ask. I think it's a key part of my own personal self-development to teach people how to do what I do, not naturally, but what I've worked on, which is constant self-evaluation and constant turning inwards and constant understanding why. And I'm trying to impart this method onto a select few individuals who want this. Now, you can imagine how little demand there is for something like this, because I'm asking you to go inside and to share. And people usually think of that as something they do with a therapist. But the difference is I'm here as a person involved in this process with you, right? I'm not a therapist who's doing it for you and guiding it for you. I'm inherently a part of this, right? So when you're telling me things, I'm like, okay, well, I'm here too. John Tesser is a person. And we're going to, like you said, set up the foundations for a lifelong friendship. That's important. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the essence of what I do with my mentees and, you know, where I'm going to be going. Um, it's a tough thing to, to do, and it's a tough thing to find people who want to go through it. So the process to find this, I'm, I'll be really honest. And again, I'm always honest. I'm always vulnerable. I'm always candid. It's hard for me to find people who want to do it, right? Um, because most people are really scared of themselves. Do you, do, and how do, like, I think it's really interesting because like, what we most people understand the mentoring is important most most people understand the concept that no one does it alone and uh the best way to reach any goal is to learn from someone who's done it before so uh you essentially as i for me like i have different mentors in different areas of my life right and because different people are have mastered a particular area in the life that i'm trying to learn right and so but to one of the things i find the most challenging is that college students, especially on LinkedIn, they'll reach out to me and they'll, they'll, it's like they, they want, 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 like it's, they're asking, but never figuring out a way to add value. And I think that mm -hmm. students believe that it's impossible. How can I, a recent college grad, add value to somebody like John? And so what is your advice? Oh, yeah. How can students add value to professionals um, in a creative way or to make sure that it is a win-win relationship and it's yeah. not just take, take, take? Daniel, I want to be really, really clear here, right? I think when they say that, when students say that, so I'm going about five levels deeper than most mentors, right? I, I, this has yeah. to be made very, very clear. No one I know has the same mentorship model that I have, okay? Most people, when they think of mentorship, they're like, he works in a career that I want to work in. I want to mm -hmm. learn from him about the things he's done in his career, and then I want to become like that, that's not the mentorship that I'm not that I'm offering. That's what most mentorship is. It's a career exchange. John is an analyst. I want to be an analyst. He's going to tell me how to be an analyst. The thing that so if you set the relationship up like that, yeah, there's not very much that you're going to be able to add because he's got all the analyst experience and I have none. So what can I really add? When you start doing mentorship the way that I do, I'm teaching you what I call mature human traits, right? I'm teaching you compassion and empathy and self-awareness and wisdom in your interactions with me. You're growing and you're cultivating these skills, right? This is a, this is a very difficult concept for most people to understand, let alone young professionals. And so that's the thing that, the reason it's a give and take and the reason I don't charge for mentorship is because I'm getting, I'm cultivating along with my mentees these kinds of abilities, right? And I'm getting a lot out of that 
because I see it and I call them out and I say, you didn't present yourself in this way. You need to work on that, right? So it is a give and take of exchanges. It, it feels very equal because what I'm training is personal characteristics, not career characteristics. So for you, what's in, like you're investing all this time, you're sharing all this knowledge. What do you get out of this whole equation? I get people who are um, willing to see me as a person. Do you see what I'm saying, Daniel? I'm taking young professionals who have extreme emotional abilities and I'm saying, ah, okay, great. You know what? Not every single college student out there is reaching out to me just to get a job or is reaching out to me because I'm some influencer, wants something. I'm actually learning that, oh my God, there are young people out there who want to do this kind of energy exchange. This is great. So I am gaining a support system in a lot of ways. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I, and I think um, to me, my advice for college students, I think mentorship is key. And I think that you need to um, think about it more than a short term, he can get me a job. That is it. I think it's about building those lifelong friendships. I think that um, a lot of times maybe what you might be thinking a mentor is, is actually more of an advocate for, for you, like a sponsor versus an actual mentor, somebody that can can put in a good word for you, vouch for your character, vouch for your work experience, vouch for your work, but it's not someone maybe you might have a, a genuine long-time friendship with. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think a lot of people, when they say mentor, they're like, how is this person going to get me a job? And I, I just, you know what? I say I charge by the hour and then yeah. I'll get you a job. Literally, it's what I say. Um, but very few, you can imagine, very few people are ready for this level of mentorship that I've talked about here. Yeah. John, in terms of LinkedIn, um, what advice do you have for college students to utilize the platform better to help them build strong relationships on LinkedIn? It's a good question. Um, it's tough, right? I, I think that um, I see a lot of wonderful writers and creative folks who are doing some great stuff on TikTok and social media, they're used to this, right? But when it comes to LinkedIn, they all of a sudden put on a hat that says, I have no personality. It gets back to what we were talking about before. Well, I have to just post these things because that's what everybody else is doing. My suggestion is to go back to, you know, to go full circle on this conversation is to present yourself as you are. The people who do that, you know, and, and there's a lot of young folks who do that very well. Um, the people who do that are the ones who get followings and are the ones who start creating, you know, nurturing relationships with people who are similar to them. Um, they attract their tribe, as it were, right? So my suggestion is, you know, if you're going to go out and start doing LinkedIn content, figure out how you can make your personality seen in some way, in some little way on the network right? That shows here's who I am. Here's what my brand is all about. Um, easier said than done. Um, of course, you know, <laughs> I do career coaching and I also um, potentially will be offering up my um, LinkedIn content course where I work with and train people how to do this as well, which is how to represent themselves and their personal brand in the best way on LinkedIn. Um, as far as I know, it's the only kind of course that does this. 
which is really this idea that who you are as a person can be represented on LinkedIn in a very successful way. And I've worked with a lot of everybody's favorite young um, professional influencer type people um, who've taken the course. Uh, I just don't show off about it because that's not my style. <laughs> John, thank you so much. And what would be the best way for students that want to learn more about you, the, the services that you provide and just connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, you can find anything um, you want about me on my LinkedIn page. Um, I'm Jonathan Tesser. Um, just search me if you don't know who I am. Um, and then just connect with me and say, hey, you know, listen to Daniel's podcast, you know, want to connect. I will most <laughs> almost definitely add you because anybody who's taken the time to listen to this is somebody worthy of adding to my network. Um, and then you can see I have, you know, a website to read about. I have a blog, which we didn't talk too much about, um, where you can learn more about sort of deeper, you know, self-development stuff. Um, and yeah, I'm all about connecting and chatting and, and getting to know people. So definitely reach out. Um, looking forward to, to, to hearing from you. John, thank you so much. I will actually put the link to your LinkedIn and your website um, on the show notes. So if you're interested to learning more and connecting with John, make sure you add a personalized note. Don't just connect or follow or just connect and send a connection. I think, John, I think you're maxed out on connections too, right? So um, oh, yeah. you have to follow first. Follow first, but if you send me a really good personalized invite, um, you know, there's a chance I'll add you, but yeah, unfortunately I'm at the 30,000 connection limit. Um, I add about 50 people per week, so it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, again, thank you so much, my friend. This has been amazing. Uh, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I, I appreciate you so much. And thank you for being such a great voice on LinkedIn and, and adding so much value to the platform. You're the man. Thanks so much for having me. This is a great conversation. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.